You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Hey everybody, this is Ted DiBiase, the million dollar man. And if you want to get your money's worth, stay right here because you're listening to Knockouts and Three Counts. And remember, everybody's got a price for the million dollar man. <laughs> This is Don West here, and I'm telling you, knockouts and three counts is the podcast, baby. Make sure that's the one you check out, because, buddy, like me, they're the real deal, baby. This is Jake the Snake Roberts. Just letting you know, you need to listen to knockouts and three counts, or you'll see that damn snake again. This is the Ring of Honor World Television Champion, a.k.a. Shane T, boy. The baddest champion you've ever seen, boy. And you're listening to Knockouts and Three Counts. What up, everybody? This is Kyle, and you are back watching, listening, whatever you're doing. You're watching and back for Knockouts and Three Counts. And, hey, if you're new to the show, thank you and welcome. Corey, how the fuck you doing tonight, man? Let them know where they can find you on all your social medias. Another week back at it again. Um... Honestly, man, it's been all right so far this week. Uh, no complaints on a Tuesday. Uh, as always, the only thing I use, uh, Fight Fan from 313 on Twitter. Let's get to it. Well, as we told you, if you guys have been paying attention to any of the promo for this episode, we are going to be joined at around 930 by the LFA Male Fighter of the Year, Mr. Josh Fremd. Now, Corey, have you gotten a chance to check out any of Mr. Fremd's work? Oh, of course, man. I mean, we watched um, most of these LFA cards together. So, you know, that being said, of course, you know. So what are your thoughts on this man's 2020? Do you think he's the rightful male fighter of the year? I think LFA had a ton of options. I don't think they necessarily could have went in a wrong direction, if you know what I'm saying. Um, But that being said, I think they definitely made the correct choice. I I 110% uh, 110% believe that. I agree with you, man. He had some really nasty knockouts. And I mean, once we get into this guy's story, you know, moving across country over there to uh, Colorado to Factory X MMA, you know, to kind of get a new look and coming in and rifling off two nasty wins in 2020 and getting ready to start 2021 with a bang on January 29th against Mr. Oliveira. Um, we've got a lot to talk about before then, um, in the world of pro wrestling, man, it's, there's some interesting things going on. Um, there's a few call-ups that I think that we could be seeing soon and I'm going to bring those up right now. Um, for any, for any of you guys that are in the live stream, you know, let us know, um, let us know your thoughts. Um, First of all, you've got Rhea Ripley. You know, Rhea Ripley took an L on NXT this past Wednesday um, at their New Year's show. Great match. Great match against Raquel Gonzalez. But with the way she went out, it had that vibe of, I feel like we could be seeing a call-up coming for uh, Rhea Ripley. Um this could be good or bad. I think that she could be very valuable, on, especially on the Raw women's roster. Um, I think that with 
the lack of who they have at their disposal to be able to be using, bringing up somebody like Aria Ripley, who's such a powerhouse and has her own unique look, I think would be a great, um, it would be a great addition to either one of the rosters, whether it ends up being SmackDown or Raw. Um, There's nothing guaranteed yet that she's going up because we haven't had NXT this week and she wasn't on Raw. So she could still be on SmackDown and we got to see if she shows up on uh, NXT this week. But as mentioned, it's um, like I said, it's going to be an interesting one. Um, Secondly, I've got here on my notes and one of the biggest things that's come out of this whole merger thus far out of the new partnership between impact and AEW, you've got the reformation of the bullet club, or I don't know quite what we're going to call this here. Um, the bullet club name is owned by new Japan. So obviously they're not going to call them the bullet club, but I mean, what was very interesting to me is on live TV on TNT, you've got them, doing the um the two sweet in the middle of the ring which is the classic bullet, uh, bullet club gesture which was real interesting you had Kenny Omega and uh uh Kenny Omega and the Good Brothers from Impact the Impact World Tag Team Champions were in the ring and then they were joined by the Young Bucks you had a good portion of Bullet Club from when they were all over in Japan so it's real interesting man because now you've opened up a door to where the lines are going to start getting blurred. Now you got companies that are working together. I personally like it. I think if WWE could adopt this, maybe if it were in the right, um, the right situations, uh, I think it could be very beneficial for, you know, their product, but it's, I don't know. Like I said, it's going to be real interesting. Like I said, for those of you who are in the live feed, let us know what you think. Um, they well, said, that- Real quick on that, I, I kind of feel like uh, WWE almost does it the same way the UFC does, where they kind of almost don't want to do partnerships because they don't want to give the shine to any other organizations. They have that label of being the big dog, and uh, it, they feel like if they even give a little bit of shine to somebody, that's just helping somebody else instead of themselves. And well, no, and I, I totally agree, but here's the thing. Now that you've got a company like AEW who – is on a TNT and has the star power that they're bringing up. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that they're on the same level as the WWE, but now that AEW is working with these other companies like an impact, like, you know, and now you have to have to realize. So now that you're doing that with the new Japan thing, you know, I mean, them doing that, you know, I don't know if that opens the door for, uh, new Japan to work with AEW as well, because I've heard a lot of talk that, uh, Chris Jericho and Kenny Omega have been doing a lot to um, try to make relations better for them. Uh, what up, Mitchell? I see you in the feed. Um, like I said, man, it's 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 going to be interesting. Mitchell, I don't know if you've been watching any of the wrestling stuff right now. We're talking about uh, the Bullet Club reunion, I guess you could call it, that we saw on AEW and what we've seen from NXT. We're going to be getting into uh, what's going on with the upcoming UFC fights. And as I mentioned at 930, we are going to be joined by LFA male fighter of the year, Mr. Josh Fremd. Um Corey, what are your thoughts about all this like co-mingling though? Do you think that, because in my personal opinion, 
the only way WWE ever changes anything or does anything for the better is when they're feeder to the fire. And something like this is going to be about the only way they do it. What up, no Logan? We got the Dread King Logan in the comments. You can check him out. He's got no hook. He's going to be there. Paradigm Pro Wrestling making moves. What up, John? What up, what up? But um, I, so like I said, I, I hate to, you know, keep alluding it to like the UFC and to, you know, MMA in general, but I feel like that's my best correlation is it's just, they really are. They're the big brother of the whole situation. So they're like, Hey man, if I even give you a little bit of shine, that's taken off the top of my, you know, and it's not only that it's like, you see sometimes these, um, these cross promotional bouts don't always go the way that maybe one side's hoping that it would. And even though they're willing to maybe let the other guy kind of, you know, get the, get the shine, get up on their guy, they still don't get the promotional kick that they were hoping to and stuff like that. So I feel like maybe that's part of the reason too, why you don't see it as often as, you know, I mean, a very good point, but again, that's where for me, it's just interesting because I feel like, they're they may be forced to you know because now if you get all these other companies working together logan i see in the comments man if you're still watching any of you guys that are watching what are your guys thoughts on aw you know teaming up with um aw teaming up with impact from what we've seen so far any of you guys that are wrestling fans do you guys have any thoughts on it let us know in the comments um for me man like i said it just it creates the number one thing that this creates, man, is it creates unpredictability. You don't know what's going to happen. Where That's where I feel like this could be something good for AEW and something that you could see WWE maybe try somewhere down the road, maybe with somebody along the lines of a um, MLW maybe because uh, they've gotten guys from MLW as well. I could see maybe an MLW partnership or something like that to where they might bring some guys in. Or, you know, who knows? Maybe they just keep it in-house. You know, they bought uh, Evolve and all that. What if they just start trying to make them their own promotions again and giving them, like, their own feeder system again? You know, there's there's a lot of different options, but I think with all these partnerships, you don't know. I mean, and not to mention, we're talking about 2021, you talk about 2021, man. You don't know what's going to happen. In the comments, we've got the diamond. Jack Price telling us he said he likes it, to be honest, because it's more opportunities. He likes the partnership because it's more opportunities. Okay. You've okay. got the Dread King Logan. He says it's smart because it brings more eyes. Not really done before. Okay. So in my argument, okay, for instance, the AEW, you, you use that as an example, right? Right. They are bringing more eyes, but they're the ones with the eyes to begin with. I feel like, yes, they are spreading the wealth a little bit, I guess you could say. And and they're right. They're doing it to a promotion that they kind of started working with to try to kind of save, essentially, in my eyes, from what it seemed like. And um, it's just a, it's just interesting. I, I, I got to disagree on that one, though. It's not a save because Impact was our – Impact is really – really hyped their shit up especially since you had all the uh releases from wwe man they picked up quite a few big names that came out of there you had eric young yeah. went over there obviously you had the good brothers we were just talking about the whole bullet club thing you know they had big pickups and impact was already making steam on their own so i don't really think this is a situation okay. where it's okay. saving somebody 
I think if anything, this is going to be something that can propel um, Impact to being a higher name brand because now you've got the co-mingling of them on TNT, which TNT obviously is a way bigger network Mm -hmm. than access TV, which is where impact is currently. Um, That's just going to be real interesting for me. The other thing, and they've been home on access TV for years and years. Cause I remember back watching LFA and they would, they would do, they would do follow-ups after LFA. New Japan was on access TV, not impact. Uh, There's a difference. Well, which, which TV network was I thinking about then that they were on? They were on, uh, was on True TV. TV. They were on Pop TV, and then they were on True TV and Destiny. Yeah, True America. TV is what the one I was thinking of. Okay. I knew it was one of those, like, slightly oddball networks that, you know, they were on for a while. And that brings into another good point. And for all of you guys that are in there, I'd love to hear your comments on this. And this will tie in for you as well, because this could mean that we start to see, you know, fans back in MMA as well. We also had Wrestle Kingdom that went down in Japan. Now it's been reported uh, that over the two days you had 20,000 fans were there at the Tokyo Dome. Now, obviously that's the biggest number of fans I've heard of since all this pandemic COVID stuff. I mean, hopefully this can open up a door so that we can have more shows and stuff. Um, Overall, great product, but what are your thoughts on there being a big crowd for the first time in a year, essentially? Well, so them boys down under, I'm not, if I'm not, uh, I can't talk today. I've had one of those rough days. But um, I can't remember if it was Australia or New Zealand, but one of them was holding um, a rugby or a, um, Australian football league uh, rules event, and they had over a hundred thousand uh, attending crowd. That's insane! Isn't so, it crazy to even think that we're saying that it's crazy for there to be that many fans when just a year ago it was like whatever. Like I've yeah, been the, in multiple the, stadiums where there's been a hundred thousand people in that bitch, and it's whatever. you've attended games at the uh at the big Big house house in ann arbor right yeah i mean that when that place gets packed it's like 110 or 115 or something and it's just like it's literally a sea of people but but with that being said actually there's um it's confirmed now that there's uh gonna be fans in attendance for all three of these um fight island cards too i don't don't know if you were aware of that i did hear that and i heard that they've been talking about that now it's did they give out a number at all as to how many they're going to have? They did not give out an exact number. I know tickets were very expensive, which tells me that it's going to be very. Well, they're in Abu Dhabi, man. Hi, damn it. Uh, they're rich over there. Aren't most okay, of very, over there very, paid very anyway? Good point. But I, that also <laughs> kind of tends to make me think it's going to be somewhat limited capacity. Um, also, I know the way that they're doing it is it's really interesting because they're, they're uh, essentially requiring you to have two, uh, two negative tests within like a 48 hour period before attending the event. And I think another two negative tests before even flying over to Abu Dhabi. So in that regard, you they're doing it, that swab, bro. Yeah. In <laughs> other words, they're doing it real, uh, they're doing it real smart and whoever's uh, running that COVID testing rings, making some money off these uh, fans, but it's, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be really, it's going to be such a nice change of pace to hear fans get fired up in the background. Not and piped in fan noise. 
it's gonna be weird. It, like I was watching, uh, which flight was it? It was uh, Holloway versus Pettis. They uploaded it on the UFC's uh, page for the free fight for the week, and um, it was weird, man. It was just weird because you you could hear the fans in the background. They clinched for like 15, 20 seconds. People are booing. It's like you you just you forget like the weird stuff that goes along with fans, you know, like the walkouts and every it's, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be real interesting. And then the fact that they're going uh, on ABC too, that just makes it that much more interesting. Um, I'm really curious to see how that plays out, honestly. Um, Cause I'm sure they're going to be promoting the hell out of this. Cause they're uh, kind of trying to go against the NFL playoff essentially because there's going to be a game going on at the same time so it's going to be interesting to see how that card plays out because i mean this card on saturday you've got the holloway versus cater is your main event which that fight's going to be a banger mm-hmm. you've got buckley's going to be on it which is going to be a banger yeah and then you've got what's the uh co-main on that one carlos condit versus um why can't i think of his name right now i've been looking forward to this fight uh matt brown Okay, yep, yep, I couldn't yep. think about that. Uh, that fight. Like I said, is, they've uh, got good fights, but again, uh, outside of the Holloway fight, I don't know if it'll have the mainstream power to really knock off the playoffs. But, you know, well, we're going to have to see how that goes. But, you know, something I wanted to touch on in reference to what you said, you know, you were talking mm-hmm. about uh, the different crowds and things. You know, if you guys are new here to the channel, make sure you smash that subscribe button because I've only got two days until I'm headed down there to Pele Pro Wrestling. In Dallas, Texas. My man's taking a flight. We're taking a flight, and we're going to see what's popping down there in the Lone Star State. Hook them horns, all that good shit. Hey, it's still go blue this way, but we're going to be looking up down there with Devin and past guests of the show, El Rudo de las Chicas, Mr. Sam Adonis, and we're going to be looking up, linking up with Cleveland's own Greetings from the 216, Mr. Shane Taylor, Ring of Honor Zone. So make sure you stay tuned. You don't know what we're going to be able to, what we're going to be getting into. Hell, we could end up doing, throwing some axes. We could end up doing top golf. And let me tell you, I fucking suck at golf. So if we're doing golf, be sure that you check that out because most likely I am going to be making a fucking fool of myself. But as promised, like I said, we are supposed to be joined at 9.30 by the LFA Fighter of the Year, Mr. Josh Brim. Um, Corey, another interesting thing as we go into uh, all this, and I'd like to hear your quick thoughts on this, is what do you think about uh, Paige Van Zandt's upcoming debut for Bare Knuckle FC? I think they could not have hand-selected a more perfect cherry of a pick fight. They literally got somebody out. Offhand, I believe her record is like four and eight or something like that, going against Paige Van Zandt, who's a legitimate, like, I mean, say what you want to say about, like, how she contended in the UFC, this, that, and the other. She had a legitimate run in the UFC. She she made it, and she held her ranking for quite a long time. I feel like she would have done a lot better if she wasn't dealing with injuries so much throughout her career. But um, that being said, they really uh, they really hand selected this girl for her. 
I mean, it's it should be a very easy fight as long as Paige can adapt to uh, the whole bare knuckle rule set fairly easily. Which um, her being a mostly uh, stand and bang till she gets touched and then tries to take people down. I, I it's real interesting. It's real interesting to see how her style is going to translate. It really is. But I think either way. So do you um, think she's getting the dub is the question. Do you think she's oh, going to be able to take a bare knuckle punch? I think that, like I said, I think they, they hand picked this girl as they picked the easiest fight they could possibly find from somebody on her, on their roster. But hasn't that hasn't. So with a lot of the bare knuckle FC fights though, hasn't that kind of been the story for some of them though, that some of these guys don't have the greatest records and things like that, because I feel okay, like so, quite a few fights. Now I'm not saying that they didn't try to throw page of softball here to get her a dub in her debut, but mm-hmm. I'm just saying, I mean, I have noticed that in a lot of those fights, there's guys who got losing records going into it. Now, obviously, that's not the case at the higher level, like with our boy Josh Burns, who went fucking viral right. putting that guy to sleep, all right? But I'm just saying right. they've had, like, suspect records on fights before, so I don't know necessarily that I would say that it's such the cream ball because self-admittedly, um, <coughs> unless it's a fight that I was looking forward to that intently until we started getting a chance to interview some more of the BKFC guys. I didn't watch a ton of bare knuckle before that. See, I've really enjoyed what they've been putting out. I mean, granted, most of it's a shit show and I would say 25% of it ends up being the quality of street beefs. Um, But that being said, the stuff that's not is really entertaining. Like you said, our boy, Josh Burns. I mean, uh, that was a clear example. Those were, those were two, very skilled competitors going in there trying to take each other's head off granite. So to touch back on, cause I didn't get to really elaborate on what you were saying earlier about the kind of like bad records and stuff like that. Most of those people are, maybe they'll have a six and 10 record in MMA, but this is their first or maybe second bare knuckle bout. Not, not, the circumstance in pages uh, instance, her opponent, this is like her fifth bare knuckle bout. And she's like three and two or two and uh, two and three. So I believe she's even got a losing record in bare knuckle. So that being said, and she's a pretty face too. So I think that's kind of, I think that's realistically why they picked her. Um, But more often than not, it's not really, I don't put a ton of credence in the fact that a lot of these guys may have a slightly salty record because this is their, <clears throat> their second endeavor into a new career. Essentially they're, okay, they're but- starting this off with a new slate with zero, zero granite. You can definitely see that <clears throat> some people have more combat experience, obviously have more skills and stuff. And you can kind of tell that by the record slightly, but that doesn't always translate. It really doesn't. I've seen that multiple times. Okay, but the question is, do you think that Paige Van Zant fighting for Bare Knuckle FC is really going to move the needle for them? For them? Um, depending on what they're paying her. I absolutely see it could. 
I mean, look at us. Would we be talking about it in the middle of a random week without a bare knuckle card going on if it wasn't for Paige? You know? I, I mean, I agree with that. I mean, Paige built her name in the UFC, so obviously she's got a bigger name. She's got a bigger name than any of the, you know, the other names that I know of in the female division or, quite frankly, in most of the male divisions, unless you talk of, like, Chris Lieben or something like that, a guy who's been around a long time, but really that's well, not, there's not a lot of name power in bare knuckle FC. Well, they're, they're uh, the, the person that they have co-maining. I, I'm not sure who he's fighting, but he's defending his bare knuckle belt. Uh, Johnny Bedford. He's looked incredibly impressive now, in bare knuckle. Johnny Bedford, man. Now that's a story looked- of a guy who went over from MMA. You know, he was on the mm-hmm. ultimate fighter and he fought a lot here in Michigan. Mm-hmm. He fought yeah. in Eastern Michigan. He fought in Southgate, you know, for WXC. He was their champion for a while. And then he comes over here to Bare Knuckle FC and just waxed fools. Mm-hmm. Now, Dude, he's, if I'm not mistaken, he's undefeated, and I think he's like 6-0 and holding their belt right now. Oh, and, he, and he's he's fought, I mean, granted, maybe the first fight or maybe even the second one were slightly easier. But a- after that, after he's shown his skills in the Bare Knuckle what what do they call it? The squared circle or squared whatever. Circle, yeah. Um, once he showed his skills in that, he's been fighting the who's who and the BKFC, and he's been just making it look easy. He really has. I've been incredibly impressed with him, and he's co-maining on that slot. So I'm hoping uh, for his sake that they do get a lot of eyes because it, it. I feel like if you start seeing athletes like that that really are good and really are skilled at their craft and don't there's an element of, to, of fun, of course, to the shit show aspect. But once you start to see the skilled athletes and stuff really go in there and compete, that's when you can start to really consider it more of a sport. Case in point, yeah. look, case in point, look at Josh Burns, man. Yeah. Way more technical boxer than that guy. If yeah. you watch that knockout duty set up every shot, the jab worked his way in. The second punch knocked his hands out the way, and that right hand set that man to sleep. You couldn't have thrown that any cleaner. Call it bare knuckle. Call it whatever you want. I think you just hit the nail on the head with what got Josh that knockout in the the clean jab, man. And we talk about all the time when we're talking about MMA how that's one of the most underutilized weapons in MMA, even though it's talked about more like that. Now, before I get off onto too much of a tangent, I did just get a message from our guest, the 2020 LFA Fighter of the Year, Mr. Josh Fremd. He will be joining us momentarily. He just shot us a message. So all of you guys who are tuning in to check out Mr. Fremd, he is coming. And let me tell you, this guy has quite the story. You know, um, if you pay attention to his social media, you know, you'll see in some of his posts, you know, he was talking about in a recent post how in 2019, You know, this man was in the hospital addicted to pain pills. And in 2020, we're talking about this man as the fighter of the year. Okay. I mean, what a difference a year makes. Like I said, stay tuned. We've got the man coming in here in a few minutes. This is a story that you're not going to want to miss. That's another thing that I think was a real unsung hero of 2022 is, Corey, is that you know, these, these promotions like LFA and CFFC, while yes, they were big beforehand and they were obviously some of the biggest feeders for the UFC. And that's why they were on UFC fight pass. 
they were really the unsung hero to give these guys who were on their way up those shots to see these dudes get to the UFC. Because how many dudes did we see go from LFA this year and end up in the UFC? Oh, I mean, and not even just going directly into the UFC. I mean, look at the contender series that they ran all year. That was essentially, you you essentially could watch LFA or CFFC and you could say, oh, these three guys look really impressive tonight. I bet they'll be on the contender series in the next two, three months. And sure enough, you'd see their face come through and you'd be like, oh, hey, I remember that guy. It, it was literally like that. Uh oh, uh oh! Without any further ado, we are joined by the man himself, the 2020 oh, Male shit. Fighter of the Year, Mr. Josh Fremd. How you doing, brother man? Man, I'm doing awesome. I'm doing awesome. How are you guys doing tonight? Hey, man, Good. we're freezing our balls off, but that's normal for Michigan. <laughs> yeah, <I feel> that. <laughs> Hey, man. So first of all, thanks for your time tonight. I know we've been working on making this happen for a little while now, but man, you had quite the 2020 and what was such a shit year for everybody else. So before we get going, man, throw your social media out and let everybody know where they can find you real quick. Yeah, uh, you guys can follow me at Josh Fremd MMA uh, on Instagram, at Josh Fremd uh, on Twitter, Facebook, and all that sweet jazz. So... One of the things that we were talking about off rip, you know, to kind of give our fans a little bit of um, a backdrop on your 2020, you know, I was, I was looking into some of your social medias at those handles that you just mentioned. And uh, one of the things I noticed in one of your posts is you talked about how you went from 2019 where you were really down and out to a 2020 where, you know, you're fighter of the year. So first of all, congratulations on such a turnaround. And second of all, tell me a little bit about that journey and what it was like to kind of get yourself back on the winning side of things in 2020. Yeah, man. Uh, just a, a quick a synopsis of it. You know, I in 2018, I won my first pro title back in Pittsburgh, and I was always planning on making a move to a bigger gym. Uh, some things fell the way they did, and I ended up here in Colorado. And, uh, you know, when I first got out here, things were things were awesome you know it was a great gym i love this place and uh i i was in the middle of a jiu-jitsu practice and probably one of my best jiu-jitsu practices since i've moved here at the time and an old wrestling injury from high school flared up and it was my meniscus i had a bucket handle tear i had to go get that taken out so i was on the shelf for about three to four months there and then rate uh, I had no health insurance so as I moved out here you know from Pennsylvania to Colorado I have to change all my health insurance so you know I was working at the bar serving drinks limping like Quasimodo and uh, <laughs> so I worked my way back to there you know I got back in the gym I was ready excited getting ready helping a teammate with uh, getting his fight you know he was fighting in the UFC at the time and uh, we were doing an awesome sparring session and last 10 seconds, you know, he just threw a knee that just clean, cleanly hit me right in the face. And uh, I just, it was the end of the round. I took my stuff off and I pressed my face and I could just feel my cheekbone just sink into my face. So I knew immediately it was broken. And January, I was December 27th, literally <laughs> uh, a whole year after winning my first pro title, I broke my face. My 2020 started off with me in the hospital getting surgery. And then by the time that I was healed from that, it would, I'd say it was March. 
And then uh, St. Patty's Day comes around. And then next thing you know, COVID hits. So my 2019 beginning of 2020 was god awful. So that's insane, dude, because it's we talk a lot about on the show when it comes to the MMA side of things, as I mentioned when we were talking about going uh, having you come on the show, we also cover pro wrestling. But when we get to the fighting side of things, you know, one of the things that we talk about a lot is the mental game of it. Um, I think that's something that goes so underrated, right? I feel like, especially in 2020 when fans are, have no choice now, but to watch fights from at home, you know, all they see is you guys walk to the cage. All they see is you guys get in the cage and fight, but they don't see, you know, the eight, 10, 12 weeks, and sometimes even less than that, that goes into, you know, getting into those fights. Um, I talk about this a lot because I have a purple belt myself in jujitsu and have fought three or four times in boxing. And, you know, one of my, one of my good friends is Miles Jury, who has made his way through the UFC and Bellator and things like that. And watching him, you know, it's funny to hear you say that it was your knee. It always seems to be the knee because I remember having the same conversation with Miles right after he was on the ultimate fighter. Uh, the first time with Ferguson or not Ferguson uh, with uh, yeah, Ferguson was on that season, but it was Lesnar versus Dos Santos. And mm-hmm. I remember he blew up his knee and was trying to plead with him to get him to fight. So it just, that mental game I feel like is so, so underrated. But as we talked about 2020 was a huge year for you. Um, before we get into that, one thing I wanted to talk about is you said you ended up in uh, Colorado and you're training at factory X. Uh, I know Colin Anglin from here in Michigan has gone down there along with Amanda, Bobby Cooper and her husband, Cody Bundridge. Um, like I said, I've heard a lot of good things about this place. Tell me why factory X was the right fit for you, man. You know, so I have, um, I have ties to Florida. I have friends who moved down there who train at Sanford and formerly known as uh, Hard Knocks. And I did a couple of training camps down there and I love it down there. I have nothing bad to say about those guys at all. And uh, my girlfriend who's in the Air Force, uh, we were deciding between Florida and she had a, a really good opportunity out here in Denver. And uh, I knew a couple of people who were out here training at the time. So I was like, hey, let's give it a shot. You know, if we don't like it, we can recoup and do something else. We'll figure it out. And uh, we got out here and dude, from the first, from the jump, when I got here, like everyone is so welcoming. Like I've been to gyms where, I mean, you know, from boxing, like you go to different boxing gyms, people try and rip your head off. Like, yeah, yeah. And like, but these guys were so welcoming and, you know, anything I needed, they were there to help me. It was, it's the culture here, the family culture though everyone's striving to push each other i mean not to mention the high skill level that we have here with all the fighters the coaches you know the coaches have been there done that and they've seen it all and they have every bit of a resource to help you whether it's uh your mental game your physical game different attributes they help to they help you to funnel your game so to speak to where you know this is your body type. This is your style. This is what you have the ability to do. We're going to add abilities, but we're also going to fine tune what you're good at. You know, that brings up that, that leads perfectly into my next question for you. As we were talking about your 20 and 20 was a great year, but obviously it was under different circumstances than what we're all used to. There were no fans in the arenas and yeah. all that kind of stuff. So 
you know, for you to get on such a roll like you have, you know, and get on a winning streak like that, um, how has fighting during the pandemic affected you at all? Like, is it any different? Like, do you like it better without the fans? Does it bother you without having, you know, that adrenaline rush? You know, what what did, you know, having two of your arguably your biggest fights of your career happen with nobody in attendance? I mean, it was a little bittersweet. I'm not going to lie because, yeah, I wanted – I want to fight in those big state, like those big arenas that they have for LFA. Like I've been there when they had almost packed houses for some fights to LFA and it's amazing electricity in the air. But at the same time, you know, whether the fans are there, whether they're not there, you know, we're, we're there to fight. That's what we're there to compete at, you know? So it, it was nice. It, it was pretty cool to fight without fans because you can hear everything. You can hear every footstep, every breath in the cage, every punch, like, it's real intimate and, you know, it's kind of cool. But other than that, you know, I can't wait to have fans back. It, it almost seems like it would kind of remind me of like, um, like competing in like an old high school competition or something like in the gym or something, you know, yeah. where there's like, there's little bit of noise and stuff, of course, in the background and stuff from people's family and stuff. But for the most part, it's kind of just coaches and officials and stuff like that whistles and, you know, Stuff like yeah. that, background noise, more like focus. Oh yeah, you know. I mean, for me, I I mean, for me, I think personally, I would like it, and I only say that for the simple fact that I can hear my coach. You can hear yeah. their coach. You can, mm-hmm. I mean, and you know that's another good thing to talk about. If I'm not mistaken, didn't you compete in uh, like a sub uh, submission grappling tournament too, or uh, have a grappling match as well? I've had a few, yeah. Right. So, I mean, like you, you've been able to stay real active in things like that. Um, what was the vibe like at that in the grappling tournaments? That's something that uh, I'm more familiar with. I've competed in plenty of uh, different grappling tournaments and things like that. But obviously, you know, you just had uh, the IBJJF Master Worlds and all that. And that was nothing yeah. like what you normally see. So was that, you know, was that really crucial for you to be able to stay warm with there being the lack of fights, you know, in 2020? Yeah. I mean, I always am looking to stay active, you know, whether it's competing in jujitsu or MMA, if I was still back in Pittsburgh, I I probably guarantee you I'd be boxing from time to time. Um, But being out here, I'm more MMA focused right now. Um, But, you know, I've competed for Fight to Win once. I've competed for High Rollers. I've done a couple, you know, different uh, tournaments, local tournaments. And as far as, like, competing goes, like, the local tournaments and big tournaments like that, it's kind of like a wrestling tournament in high school. There's just a whole bunch of people. There's a whole bunch of mess going on. And it's not really till the finals that people really start paying attention, you know, Mm -hmm. crucially. But when I competed on Fight to Win, you know, that was an amazing experience because I was able to hear my coaches because like in MMA, there's a lot of cheering and hoorah. And in MMA, I feel like it's more civil, I guess I'd say like people are more interested in seeing the intricacies of the moves that are being that are being applied, you know, and I was able to hear my coach a lot better. And I felt like a robot with him at a joystick at that time, because whatever he told me to do, I was doing, and you could hear it and then see it at the same time. It was pretty cool. That, I mean, that, that is interesting. That's a, that's, that's gotta be an interesting feeling. I, I, I know Kyle had, had already partially asked you this now. I don't, don't want to jump back too far before we get uh, too far ahead of ourselves, but um, 
I really am kind of curious after coming back from the injury, man, was there any type of nerves or anything like that? I mean, especially not only coming back during the quarantine, like you said, but coming back from a significant injury and then coming back to a quarantine, the whole kind of atmosphere had changed. The game had kind of changed a little bit. I mean, what what were your thoughts on all that? So coming back from my knee injury, I would say I was more hesitant with certain things just because of the swelling and it wouldn't bend all the way. You know, when you try to put your heel to your butt, it doesn't bend all the way. Um, eventually I got that worked out. I got all the swelling out and now I'm back to normal. But when I broke my orbital, I'm not going to kid you, dude. Like I did not give, can I cuss on this? Go ahead. Go ahead. I did not give two shits. If someone was going to break my shit again, break it again, because I've already broken my face once, which I never <laughs> imagined in a million years I would do. Right. And, right. you know, what's the worst that could happen after you broke your face? I mean, <laughs> I really don't see anything worse than that, besides obviously a career ending injury, which that possibly could have been. But I told myself, I was like, look, and that's kind of how my mentality is now. Like, I already had all this time on the shelf. I had all this time where everyone was passing me over and I wasn't getting looked at. People forgot about me. I'm going to go out now and I'm just going to fight my fight. If I end up getting hurt, all right, that's how the cards fall. But I'm not going to let that interfere or make me hesitant or make me, you know, gun shy because at the end of the day, everyone's going to be done with this sport. Everyone has their, you know, expiration date for whatever it is that you want to do. Some people get in or in and out early. Some people get in, stay long. Some people get hurt and you're done early. So I just want to take every moment that I have anymore to just go full fledged, you know, hundred percent, no hesitation. So I can completely, I can completely relate with that for our show. First of all, don't feel bad that you busted up your eye because Corey <laughs> fucked up my eye when we were kids. Cause the son of a bitch threw a golf ball from the other side of the field and it happened to poke <laughs> me in the fucking eye. And it, and the doctor straight up told me that it detached my retina so bad that if it would have hit, I, me, I, killed, like, I thought I killed one of my, if it would have fucked it up, <laughs> if put it this way, it hit me bad enough that if it would have been like a little bit harder, I might be walking around like patch Adams in this motherfucker. It, it oh had God. no bullshit. It had to have been at least an 80 yard throw. And it hit I mean, him directly. It hit him directly, like in between. The it hit me dead square in the eye, dude. Like right in the eyeball. It wasn't even like the orbital. It hit me right in the fucking. Oh my god! Like, I thought I killed him. Find out, Brett Favre. Right, dude. Throwing. That was worse than any punch I ever took in a boxing ring. Any oh. fucking armbar choke. Fuck that. I could imagine. Dog. Man, <laughs> I will gladly redo uh, that. And not do it again. But uh, <laughs> but before we get to your fight that's going down on January 29th, live on UFC Fight Pass for LFA, I have to ask, since we were talking about us being a wrestling show, does Mr. was Mr. Fremd ever a fan of the squared circle and pro wrestling at all? If so, who? I was. I was uh, for a bit. I'm not going to lie. I was one of those John Cena fans. For a all bit. right, all right. Uh, Rey Mysterio. Randy Orton, those were my guys back then, you know. Like I, I wasn't super, super into it. But that I was, oh, look at that! That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but you got you see there. Oh shit! <laughs> yeah, I'm a little bit That's of a nerd, awesome. but <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I, I, my pap, my pap was a big fan, and when I was a kid, I would watch it with him. 
I think it was like maybe seventh, eighth or ninth, seventh or eighth grade where I stopped really watching it because I got into like actual wrestling. Sure. And uh, but no, I was a big fan. I had all the toys, you know, I even had my Dragon Ball Z characters in the squared circle. So it was was up. Yeah. Yeah, man, I had to see because it's funny. Like we had Justin James from the UFC on here, dude, and like he's like a huge Stone Cold fan. Which yeah. Stone Cold's my guy, dude. Like That's I grew up right there. Hey, man, I grew up in the '90s, dude. Stone Cold was my guy. Um, hey, it was what it was. But let's get back to the business at hand. Like I said, <laughs> you're going to war January 29th. Um, how are you feeling with the quick turnaround into 2021? And how are you feeling about your matchup with your opponent, Mr. Oliveira? I'm feeling great, man. You know, I, I wanted to get another one in on 2020, but it just didn't work out. So I was able to enjoy, you know, Thanksgiving. Um, I haven't enjoyed Thanksgiving in so many years because I'm just fighting during it. But, you know, I went home for Thanksgiving in Pittsburgh, came back, and I knew, you know, I was going to get a fight lined up. I was talking about it. I was bugging my manager. So I didn't go home for Christmas. And, you know, my best Christmas present I could get, I got a contract. So I was pretty excited about that. I love the matchup, you know, um, Bruno Oliveira, he's going to bring a lot of challenges. He's going to test me in ways that I haven't been tested yet. And I'm excited to do that on the platform that I get to, you know, like, like I said, with everything else, I don't want to miss out on anything anymore. I don't want to waste time. So I'm going to go out there. I'm either going to come back with my shield or I'm going to go out on it. And it's going to be for everyone to see, you know, and I feel like, you know, I'm going to come back with my shield. I feel very confident in this matchup. I feel like I'm, I'm much faster. My boxing's a lot better. My pace, I don't think, I don't think there's a, a lot of people in this game that can keep up with my pace and the way I push the pace. So, you know, I'm excited. I think it's going to be a great fight. I'm hoping for a first round knockout. You know, that'd be amazing. If not, I'm going to drag it to deep waters and I'm just going to drown them. I mean... Corey, the man pretty much laid it out there. You got any questions for the man? I mean, (laughs) I feel like I I squeezed in like most of mine kind of throughout. What what you you did, but you forgot one of the best ones. I know you always, I always forget them until I know you got to be watching all these. And I'm like, man, why didn't you remind me of that three? <laughs> there's these things called show notes that I send them every week before I do the show. So, you know, I kind of, <laughs> but last but not least, you know, we got a pretty big fight as UFC's coming back to the game this Saturday. You know, you've got uh, in an event, you've got Holloway versus Calvin Cater, and then you've also got the immortal Matt Brown versus Carlos Condit. How do you see those fights playing out? Oh, so I'm a huge Max Bless Holloway fan, you know, mm-hmm. I love the guy. I love everything he stands for. This is a tough one, you know, because Calvin Cater's on a roll and his boxing is noise. So mm-hmm. it's it's going to be so interesting. I want Max to win, but obviously, you know, being a realist, you could see how, you know, Cater could win. We'll see how Max comes from back from losing, you know, both those title shots, which, you know, arguably could have won either way, you know. The second um, one, especially. Yeah, yeah, dude. That's <laughs> the first just, one I could, the first one I could maybe, go, I could see you more, but the second one, I'm like, ooh. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that one's, it's a toss up. I, I hope he comes out. You know, I, I don't want, you know, like it happens with everyone. You don't want to see your idols go out the way they do. You know, 
You want mm -hmm. them to like bow out gracefully, but you know, being a competitor, it's hard to say when it's done. But um, as far as uh, Matt Brown and Carlos Condit, man, that's a that's an amazing fight. I wish we would have got a couple years ago. You know, right? And uh, I'm gonna go with uh, the natural born killer. Like you got to. Like okay. I, I'm a huge Matt Brown fan. I think he's tough. I think he's durable. He's a son of a bitch, but you know, the natural born killer, he's long, lanky like me, like let's go for the skinny guy, you know? So let me get this straight. So you've got, you've got the natural born killer, Carlos Condit, and you've got, who'd you pick on the other fight? Holloway. Holloway. Okay. So Holloway and Matt Brown. I, I like it. Corey, who are you rolling with? All right. So to kind of, because we're at the end. <laughs> to kind of coattail off what you were saying, I, I really kind of picture this Holloway matchup uh, almost identical, but a 45 version of him versus Poirier. I feel like Cater doesn't yeah. Cater doesn't quite have the same amount of power that Dustin has. So, and I think that was the huge difference was the ability for uh, for Dustin to land the power shots and kind of stunt the momentum of Holloway every time he would try to get anything going he would just get one or two power shots landed a one two hard. And it stopped it all. You know? Yeah. I don't know if Cater is going to be able to do that. I completely agree with you on the clean boxing, but I think the, the size difference between the two guys is pretty drastic. I think yeah. the reason why, I think the reason why Poirier was able to do that is because of the size. Um, my biggest concern was also like you were saying, how is he going to come back from the title fight? Is he, in all the media and stuff that I've seen kind of coming up to this, he keeps talking about how he should be fighting Volkanovsky again. This should have been Volkanovsky a third time. I won yeah. the second one. I'm the rightful champ. So I agree with him. might be overlooking him. My exact concern. I completely yeah. agree with him. I would have loved to see the third go around. I think he won the second one. I think he is the uncrowned champ. But if you're not taking Cater serious, man, he is not the person you want to mess around with. Yeah, not at all. you don't want to overlook him. So that being said, I still think Holloway takes it. I, I do. I think I think the combos kind of end up being a little bit too much, especially if Cater's uh, not able to get started like he's uh, kind of shown in other fights. He kind of takes yeah. till about the midway of the second round to kind of get going. Um. It's 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 a real interesting fight though. I love the matchup. I love the fact it's on ABC, so it's going to get a lot more eyes even than normal. Oh it, yeah, that's just, right. Oh yeah, it, it's it's an awesome matchup. It's an awesome matchup. But as for the uh, the two vets in the game, I think Matt Who Brown's going to take them against the cage and land them bows, man. Damn. I think he's going to pressure him. Yep, that Matt <laughs> Brown over the top, just ugh. And I, I hate to see Condit go down like that but that's how i see it going i, so I you think got that brown and uh holloway on this one huh yeah i think that i think that uh i think that uh carlos looked really good in his last fight but i think that was because court mcgee wasn't the same court i think that was yeah. more the issue there um so that being said yeah i go matt brown all right so for me man I'm a little partial to Holloway, man. I got to kick it with him a little bit here in Detroit when they had the UFC here, and uh, he couldn't have been does he, cooler. Does man. he live up to the expectations? He was as cool he, as you could have thought he would be. He yeah, was super yeah. chill. He wasn't real cocky. He wasn't like a real asshole. Like, you know, like some of those guys, man, like you, you, you get it in any sport. 
I've had it happen in wrestling and I've had it happen in MMA. Some guys are super cool about it. And some guys are like, Oh, well, I don't want to give you no time. You know what I mean? So like it kind of, it kind of goes, but when I met the guy, he was everything you could have wanted to see. Um, for me, I completely agree with what you said, Corey. Um, in the first fight, I had no problem with Volkanovsky getting the win in it. Uh, the second fight though, I really kind of feel like the only reason why Holloway didn't get that was because of the championship advantage, which by Volkanovsky winning the first fight, you know, he earned that championship advantage, but I want to see him run it back the third fight. But if he can come in here and get a dub over somebody like Calvin Cater, I mean, it's going to be kind of hard to argue. Well, and another thing, not to, not to interrupt you, but one thing I did forget to mention in that point was the fact that you kind of brought up, you know, you hate to see your idols kind of go down in a blaze of glory, essentially. Yeah. Um, people forget how young Max Holloway still is, man. He's 29 years old. Calvin Cater's the older guy in this. I mean, he's he might be the new shiny piece in the UFC. He's on the block, but he ain't the younger of the two. But players. he's not the younger one. Yeah. I mean, Max has got some miles on him, but that Calvin Cater's been around the block too. So I, I hear that. Matt, Max's took a little bit of time off, and I, I just I, – I love the matchup. Sorry I to interrupt, that, Kyle. Go on. Go on. To, to get my picks in real quick, uh, like I said, for me, I think the experience is going to be the difference in this one. I think Holloway is going to – I think Holloway has something to prove. I feel like he feels like he's been yeah. a little bit slighted, and I feel like a fighter who doesn't have a grudge but feels like he has something to prove is a dangerous motherfucker. So for oh, me, yeah. in the main event, I'm going with Holloway. As far as the co-main event, like you said, Mr. Friend, I'm a big fan of the natural born killer, Carlos Condit. I've been watching him since his WEC days. That being said, I'm a big fan of Matt Brown, too, so I'm really liking this fight. But if I got to pick one, Matt will always have the heart of a warrior, the heart of a lion, all that good stuff. But I feel like Carlos Condit is going to be coming out with that dub and be getting him another body as the natural born killer. Um, yeah. Before we let you get out of here, man, any last words for your opponent and anybody who's new to Josh Fremd and what they can expect come January 29th live on UFC Fight Pass? Yeah, I got I, nothing to say to my opponent. I hope you don't have COVID. You know, please show up. Let's get it on. You know, uh, you know, you guys go follow me on Instagram, on Twitter. You know, I'm just going to bring the fight. Like, I'm, I'm just going to come in and I'm going to try and perform the best of my abilities. You know, I practice every day. I train every day. I've given up and sacrificed so much for this. So I hope you guys enjoy what I'm about to show you at the end of the month. I think that pretty much puts a bow on it, Corey. And like we told you before, if you haven't done so already, make sure you smash that subscribe button as we're headed down to Dallas. Like I said, man, you don't know what the fuck we're going to be running into. As I hear, there's a murder hawk monster going to be at the show on Thursday as Lance Archer (laughs) from AEW is going to be there at the show Thursday, as well as past guests of the show, El Rudo de los Chicos. Sam Adonis, and you've got Garrison Creed, who you just saw here last week. So, like I said, make sure you check it out. We're doing throwing axes and top golf. I can't golf for shit, but until next time and in the in-between time, be cool. Peace. <laughs>